Bienvenidos and welcome to the next installment of Lead Media Programming from Studio 54, campus of California State University San Bernardino, the digital media platform for inspired educators, leaders, and community activists and advocates taking our message directly to the people, to the gente. Thank you for sharing our common interest in the analysis, discussion, critique, dissemination, and commitment to the educational issues that impact Latinos. I'm your host, Dr. Enrique Murillo Jr., and this episode is a syndicated replay from season nine of Lead Summit 2018. The theme that year was Viva la Mujer, and the strands and design of the summit that year were all planned and led by the Mujeres of Lead. Although our communities and nation's strengths continue to depend to a large extent on the positive educational outcomes of Latino students in general, it is the educational attainment of Latinas, the female students in particular, that is essential to our well-being and success. Simply, Latinas define the future. Maya Arce, at the time a sophomore student at the University of Arizona majoring in computer science and a mariachi performer since the age of seven, was a plaintiff in the Arce v. Humpenthal Douglas case in the U.S. District Court, District of Arizona, and in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals for the United States, which helped lead the successful constitutional challenge to Arizona's anti-Mexican-American studies law. While being denied the opportunity to take Mexican-American studies courses while in high school because of the state of Arizona's elimination of the program, Maya, nonetheless, in the tradition of strong Chicana educational advocates, chose to be a plaintiff in this precedent-setting case. Having been intimately involved in this case since 2010, Maya remained steadfast in her convictions that studying Chicana, Chicano history and culture is a basic human right, testifying in the U.S. District Court in June 2017. Quote, I believe in standing up for what I think is right, and I believe that I am a voice for those who otherwise may not be heard for my ancestors, for my community members, and for generations to come." Unquote. Continue and enjoy the full value and complexity of this episode. We extend our appreciation to our lead sponsors and partners, planners, volunteers, speakers, and panelists, production team, affiliates, and town hall chapters, and commend them all for lifting their voice and uplifting the plight of Latinos in education. Thank you, gracias. Our next speaker will be introduced by Aurora Vilchis. First of all, let's congratulate uh, Aurora on her new position on campus. She is, now, <laughs> she is now the Early Start and Coyote First Step Coordinator for the Office of Undergraduate Studies. She's all, there you go. And she is a doctoral candidate cohort 10, there you go, in the educational leadership program here at Cal State, okay? So all yours, Aurora. Thank you, Dr. Murillo. I, I wanna also say, you know, the reason why I started the doctoral program was really because of events like LEAD really is the platform to inspire me to really continue research and, and be that small percentage of number and see that grow, Latina doctors. We need more of them, right? 
Um, and so I was really, really inspired and moved, and Dr. Murillo is going to serve as my dissertation committee chair. So thank you very much, Dr. Murillo. So I, I have the wonderful privilege of being able to introduce our next speaker, and the topic that she's going to talk about and share her story is so important and, and such a historical moment um, for ethnic studies, for Mexican-American studies, for our Latinx youth in, in the high school system. So she comes to us from Tucson, Arizona. Uh, I was sharing with her yesterday, yes, um, that my grandfather was born in, in Bisbee, Arizona as well, near the border, near his father came from Sonora, Mexico, and he was a copper miner. So I felt my connection to her with, with our Arizona roots. <laughs> um, but uh, Maya is currently a student at University of Arizona. She's majoring in computer science, um, and she has a real passion for communications and technology, and being part of this um, momentous and historical case has her thinking about law school. So we're gonna encourage her, right, grad school. Um, yeah, Maya. So she currently also is uh, performing as a mariachi singer. She is wonderful, you can look her up on YouTube, which I did and, and heard her, and I wanna encourage her to continue that passion of sharing her art. But really, she's gonna come and, and talk about some of the issues that were going on in the Tucson Unified School District and a really terrible decision that was made, but we're so glad that there has been now victory that she will share about the victory in Arizona. And uh, so with that, I would like to introduce Maya Arce. Hello, everybody. Um, once, again, once again, my name is Maya Arce. I first off want to thank everybody for being here and thank everybody from the LEAD Conference for inviting me to speak at this um, great event. I'm really thankful for that. I'm just going to share my personal experience with being a plaintiff in a historic lawsuit that challenged the state of Arizona and um, ARS 15-112, the law that was created by state officials to target and ban the Mexican-American Studies program in the Tucson Unified School District. Um, so, for those of you who may not be familiar with this law, here is um, a little summary of it. Um, according to the state of Arizona, the Mexican-American studies classes were found in violation of uh, these provisions, which included promoting the overthrow of the government, promoting resentment towards a race or class of people, designed for pupils of a particular ethnic group, and advocating ethnic solidarity rather than treating people as individuals. Um, so these provisions here were listed, listed were believed to be the things that were going on in the Mexican-American studies um, courses at Tucson Unified School District when no state official had even made a visit to one classroom, they were just so bothered that Latinos were reading classic Latino literature like Occupied America or um, many others like that. Um, so this was just an attack on my community and my family. Uh, 
Um, this is just a timeline of the legal challenge. Um, when I became a plaintiff, I was in eighth grade. So it was right before I was going into high school, right before I would have been able to take a Mexican American studies course. And I was denied that. Um, it was in 2012 when the case became Maya Arce versus Hoopenthal State of Arizona, which challenged the law's constitutionality based on the First and 14th Amendment. From there, the case had moved to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco, which then remanded the case back to the U.S. District Court for trial. Um, this trial was this summer, and it was 10 long days. Um, preparing for this trial included me being deposed for three hours by the state attorney on the side of um, Arizona. And it was really intense and a high pressure um, process for me. And my lawyer, Richard Martinez, you know, um, prepared me and he was like, she's gonna be mean, she's gonna try to make you nervous, she's gonna just want you to say anything that could sound wrong. So just be calm and tell the truth because you have nothing to hide. Um, and she was, she was pretty scary. Um, but I knew that, I knew that we would win because I couldn't imagine how the state could prove that Mexican American studies courses were harmful to students in any way. Um, this is just a piece of a transcript from my testimony in trial this summer. Um, this was also really nerve wracking because this case had been going on for almost eight years and this was like the last step. And I just really wanted all of, not only my hard work, but my family's and the whole communities to, you know, mean something. Um, I'll read a little bit of what I said. Um, I decided to become a plaintiff because I believe in standing up for what I think is right and I believe that I am a voice for those who otherwise may not be heard. Um, for my ancestors, for my community members, and generations to come. And it says sorry there because I like, got choked up. I started crying. I was looking at my um, tata in the front row, and he was bawling. And um, he, him, and my grandparents grew up in segregated classrooms in Tucson, Arizona, same schools that I went to. Um, they had their Mexican-American culture and language literally beaten out of them in school. And that's why they didn't teach my parents Spanish because they had that fear. They were discouraged from um, speaking Spanish or discouraged from embracing their own culture. And um, that's just really sad to me. That's, that was one of the main driving forces that I had um, continuing to be a plaintiff in this case. Um, next, I want to take a little time to speak about one woman who inspired me and continues to inspire me, which is my grandmother, Anita Padilla Markham. And she recently passed away, but um, this one story she had told me about when she was at Safford Elementary School, which is where I went to middle school. Um, she had started and only spoken Spanish, and they, all the kids who spoke in Spanish were in one classroom. It was called like EC or something like that. And um, 
one time she said something in Spanish because that was the only language she like knew and her teacher had thrown her in a trash can, her, her six-year-old body in a trash can and her knees were like hurting and she couldn't even get out and she was humiliated in front of her classroom. Um, another story, my um, great-grandmother on my mom's side, Carmen Sanchez, who had also gone to Safford um, earlier, said that they would throw nets over the Mexican-American elementary students and pour lice powder all over them because they must be dirty. They all must have lice because they're just dirty. And these stories are part of why it's so important to teach this history in our schools and why it's so important to have ethnic studies because people living today are still dealing with this trauma. Students today deal with their own trauma from experiencing racism. And ethnic studies is one way to begin to heal that, um, to heal our communities. We need it. Um, I'm going to take this time to dedicate a song. I'm a singer in a mariachi to dedicate this song to both of my grandmothers. Um, is there a wireless microphone? It is What a Difference a Day Makes by Dina Washington, but it's going to be in Spanish. Um, Edie Gourmet, which was one of my grandmother's favorite artists at the time, um, redid the song in Spanish. So, um, yeah, here it goes. <laughs> Nuestro 
you. Thank you. Um, so some evidence that allowed our judge Tashima to see that this law was driven by racial animus was that um, John Hoopenthal, who was the superintendent of schools at the time um, of the banning, had written anonymous blog posts using a fake name um, and talking about all of the teachers saying racist things about our program. And of course, he was under oath, so he had to admit that that was him. And that was just really great for us because um, they got to see what these people are, were actually thinking when they wrote this bill. Um, he said things like Mexican-American studies equals KKK in a different color. Um, the rejection of American values and embracement of the values of Mexico in La Raza classrooms is the rejection of success and embracement of failure. So those are all things that he said, and um, that just goes to show that so many people who are in charge of our schools, who are involved in education, think this way. And maybe they're just not vocal about it. And this is um, the same anti-Mexican sentiment that we are experiencing right now with um, our president. So, finally, the law was ruled unconstitutional and um, confirmed that there was racial animus. The, um, our judge ruled this on August 22nd, 2017, and um, it set a, le a legal precedent for the first time for Chicano and Chicana studies in the federal courts. Um, it showed that K-12 Chicano stud studies are a proven effective in engaging Raza youth, closes the achievement gap, increases graduation rates as recorded in the trial. And this decision has allowed for the expansion of ethnic studies, um, just like how we are witnessing here in California. Um, another cool thing is that um, this case served president recently, um, allowing DACA to move forward in response to Donald Trump's attack on DACA as well as serving precedent in denying Trump's Muslim ban in the courts. So that um, was just a little bit of my experience and I wanna thank you all for taking the time to listen and viva la mujer. <laughs>